do. At the moment, we are at the early stages of looking at our core values. So, um, as if any of you were here last week, I know many of you were here last week, I think some people were away, we started and introduced this series looking at the core values of the church. We started by remembering what the vision is for our community, that is to follow the way of Jesus, make disciples and bring life and transformation to every area of Southampton and beyond. We looked at our core beliefs. What are the core beliefs that we hold as a church? What are those distinctive beliefs that are not unique to New Community Church, but where there might be differences across Protestant churches? What, where do we stand on some of those issues? But recognizing that all of those are built on the foundation of the Lordship of Christ and the authority of Scripture. And we introduced, very briefly, the six core values. And we have them written here. Presence. We prioritize God's presence. Growth. We equip and empower one another to grow. Community. We create environments where healthy relationships flourish. Ownership. We serve, take initiative, give of our best. Confidence. We are confident in the power of the gospel to transform lives and outward looking. We reach out to others, some with love and hospitality. And can I encourage you, if you weren't here last week, if you haven't listened to it online, can I encourage you to listen in to last week's talk? Because it really gives a foundation for the journey we're going to follow over the next, next seven or eight weeks. So we're going to look each week going forward at each of these values. We're going to take a value per week. And at the end of the series, we're going to look and ask the question, well, therefore, what does it mean to belong to you, you church? How can we live out this vision, this call of God, his place in us? How do we live that out? together. So, this week, we are going to explore presence. We prioritize the presence of God. What does that mean? Now, when I talk of the word presence, God's presence, what does that conjure up for you? What thoughts come into your head? Do you remember wonderful moments that you've had when you've known God yourself in a very real and personal way. Maybe standing in this room, maybe it's Soul Survivor, maybe walking on a beach in the mountains, those moments when you've felt God so near and close. Maybe that term actually creates a deep longing in you to encounter God in a way that you haven't for a really, really long time. Maybe it creates a bit of confusion. You know, surely God is with us all the time. And yet people speak of his presence as though he comes and goes. What is all that about? What does it really mean? Or maybe for you there's a sense of disappointment, a sense of missing out. You've heard others tell of deep encounters with Jesus and you'd love to experience that for yourself. Now I remember when I first came to church, I first came to church as a student. And in those days, at that time, there was a real outpouring taking place, not just here, but right across the country. In many churches on Sundays and as they gathered midweek, there was a real sense of God's power and presence. As people got prayed for, quite often those people, as they got prayed for, would fall over. As the power of God blessed them, it was normally a really gentle thing, there's normally someone to catch them, and they would find themselves lying on the floor. And when you talk to those people afterwards and say, what was going on, what happened? Many of them would talk about a deep, deep moment of encounter with Jesus. 
where Jesus was so real to them, where God was really bringing a sense of healing in their lives. And uh, I remember seeing that happen here in this church. I remember my dad talking to my aunt who lived up in Cumbria one Sunday morning in a tiny little church there. She had a powerful encounter like that, found herself lying on the floor and God doing a deep, deep work in her. So there was me as a student. Uh, we used to get the bus, which meant we got here early. I was never here early after being a student because the bus times didn't work. Once I had a car, I was always 10 minutes late. I'm early now, you'll be pleased to know. And I sit on the back row there or somewhere up there, and I see these people going forward, and I see them having these powerful moments with Jesus, and so I thought, well, I want that. So I remember coming forward, and you come forward, and the stage is a bit different then, and stand here, and the prayer team would come, and I shut my eyes. Yeah, Lord, I'm really hungry. I just want to experience you and encounter you just like these people have done. And um, there'd be people standing all alongside, loads of people down here. And the prayer person praying would come and pray for me. And I'd be there like, God, yeah, I want to to encounter you. I want to encounter you. I want to meet with you. And they keep praying. And they keep praying. And then I'd hear this sort of quiet sort of thud next to me. Gentle, someone's caught and laid down. And God, I want you. And they keep praying. And then on the other side, this gentle sort of thud, rustle and thud as they're caught and laid down. And... The prayer person will be really patient. They keep praying. And I'm sitting there here and then, God, I really want to meet with you. And more thuds all around. And then the prayer person would kind of run out of steam and faith. And they'd gently wander off. And I'd open my eyes. And there's people lying all over the floor. And it's just me standing here. And then I'd wander back to my seat carefully, treading over. Like, sorry, don't interrupt your moment with Jesus. I wander back to my seat and I sit down and I think, oh God, what's wrong with me? Do you, do you not like me as much as these other people? What's going on? And I can tell you I've never had an encounter with Jesus like that. And yet my wife Sarah, I've been with her on two separate occasions where the Holy Spirit has been doing something so powerful in her. Not only has she found herself on the floor, or one case on a sofa, um, she's been unable to get up because there's something of the power and presence of God. She's been trying to get up, but she just can't. And it's a beautiful experience to watch because there is so much joy in her in those moments. And I remember the second time I saw that happen, we were in California. We'd gone on holiday. Um, we'd actually been through a really tough time. And some of you know this story as well. We'd been through seven miscarriages. We've had eight miscarriages between our two children, we had number seven, and this church just got beside around us and blessed us and gave us some money. So we went on holiday, and we found ourselves at a church that had some healing rooms. And healing rooms were just basically a place where you get prayed for. That's what it was. So Saturday morning, we went to these healing rooms. Most people went in for 20 minutes, got prayed for, moved on out. Sarah went in, and over the space of an hour and a half, God led her on the most powerful journey that took her first of all into the deepest, deepest grief. As all of the pain and the trauma of seven miscarriages, all the disappointment just came out. She was in tears on the floor, sobbing as God just started to work and move in her. But then about halfway through, something changed. As the Spirit of God moved upon her and touched her. Try to move away grief and instead God replaced it with joy. And there she was, 
lying in this room, surrounded by beautiful people praying for her. And she was laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing. The joy of God just erupted in her. And she couldn't get up off the floor. She kept trying to get up. It was like, probably time to go now. Couldn't get up. As God just said, no, I just want you to wait and receive more of my goodness. And it she was changed after, she was different. We still went through another miscarriage after that, but it was never the same because God had done something inside her that was so powerful and so personal. I've never encountered a mysterious God in that way. But I have had many moments when I have known God really close to me. I remember as a 14-year-old, I was in the RAF cadets, at school, and we were on a summer camp, and we were camping at an airfield, an RFOBM up in Hampshire, on a camp, and there's tents and field. And halfway through the week, and I was quite tired, and I hadn't had any time with God, so I thought I'm just going to take a walk around the edge of the field. And I spent about half an hour walking around the edge of the field, just talking to God. And it's one of my memories. I just knew Him so close. It was like a personal conversation, me and God. I remember again in the middle of our miscarriage season being in a hospital room for the day where Sarah is miscarrying and it was the saddest of times and yet in the midst of it we knew God so near and close and experiencing his love in such a deep and profound way. And then on a slightly lighter note, I went through a season uh, when we were in our old house where often I'd cook and put some worship music on and there were some moments there as I'm cooking in the kitchen, I just knew God so near and so close in those moments. I've also had times when I've wanted to know God's presence with me and to hear his voice. It just doesn't seem like he's anywhere near. I continue to pray and read my Bible, but it's felt like the prayer, my prayers are more like a text message that I've sent off that hasn't been answered than a conversation with someone else in the room. I've still known God guide me and lead me, but just not experienced the joy in those moments in the same way. I guess I felt a little bit like that going into the summer. C.S. Lewis talks about the fact that sometimes people, we experience an extraordinary sense of intimacy and closeness with God. But then he goes on to write this. But God never allows the state of affairs to last long. Sooner or later, he withdraws. If not, in fact at least from their conscious experience. All those supports and incentives. He leaves the creature to stand on its own legs, to carry out from its will alone duties which have lost all relish. Yet it is during such trough periods, much more than during the peak periods, that it is growing into the sort of creature that God wants it to be. The times of encounter and the times when God feels more distant are just as important in our journey walking with God. So, a few questions to answer this morning. Does God's presence come and go? What do we even mean when we talk about God's presence? And what does it mean to prioritize God's presence? How do we do that? So, first of all, let's look at what the Bible has to say about God's presence. Starting right at the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? 
We see there, right at the start of creation, the Garden of Eden, God's original purpose was always that we would live in his presence, together with him in the garden. But sin entered the world. We know the rest of the story, and it cut us off from him. But God loves us so much, he was never going to leave it in that condition. He sent Jesus, his son, as we heard this morning from Shirley, to die for us, to rise again, and so to conquer sin and death, to take away the barrier that stood between us. So we could know God's presence, so we could walk with him. And we know the end of the story, that one day we will see God's full and complete restoration of his presence with us. We turn to Revelation chapter 21, right at the end of the Bible. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. One day, because of what Jesus has done, we will walk with him just as Adam and Eve did in the garden. But what about here and now? Do we have to wait until we die or until Jesus returns? Absolutely not. Because Jesus left the Holy Spirit to be with us, to reveal Jesus to us, and to be present with us. John chapter 14, as Jesus is talking to his disciples the night before he died, the very night he's betrayed, he said this. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. He goes on to say, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, we can know God's presence here and now at any moment and every moment. So the Bible tells us that God is everywhere, that his glory fills creation. We read Psalm 139, many people's favorite psalm. It says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I might make bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. So the presence of God is always with us. And we talk about that, we call it the omnipresence of God. He's with us, he's everywhere, he fills all creation. And yet, much of the time, if we're honest, we can be unaware of him. And yet, there are also moments when we become acutely aware of his presence with us. Like Sarah in those healing rooms in California. Like me as I walk around that field as a 14-year-old air cadet. And we see that same pattern in Scripture too. We see it with Jacob 
at Bethel where he's been asleep. He's had this dream. He wakes up in the morning. He says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. We see it with Moses in that moment with the burning bush, that tangible demonstration of God's presence. We see it at the commissioning of the temple when the priests can't stand because of the glory of God. We see it at Pentecost, that outpouring of the Spirit, tongues of flames on people's heads, people filled with the Spirit and speaking in different tongues. These are moments when people become acutely aware of God, of his glory, of his holiness, of his love, of his presence with them. And we call this kind of tangible presence of God. We can sense it and feel it. We call that the manifest presence of God. And we see Moses talking about this manifest presence in Exodus 33 when he petitions God to go with him and the Israelites in the desert. They've been wandering the desert for many, many years and God tells them to go up into Canaan. Initially he kind of says, you're on your own, guys. Off you go. And Moses says this. Lord, says to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you. And I'll give you rest. And then Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Moses was convinced that it was critical that God and his manifest presence accompanied him and Israel. So much so, that despite so many years of hardship, despite all those years wandering the desert, longing for the promised land, he would rather forego the promised land than forego the presence of God. So it's no accident that presence is the first of our values as a church. There's a reason why our values are in that order. Because just like Moses, we don't want to go anywhere or do anything without the presence of God leading us. We want to meet with him. We want to encounter him. We want to be changed by him. We want to honour him above all else as Lord of our lives and as Lord of our church. So when we talk about prioritising the presence, what we mean is this. We mean cultivating an active awareness of God with us, an openness and an attentiveness to what he wants to say to us and where he wants to lead us, a desire for the Holy Spirit to fill us, equip us and empower us to live lives that are radically surrendered to Jesus. It's asking the Holy Spirit to make us aware of God's presence. It's actively listening to the still, small voice of God. It's having our spiritual eyes opened to what he's wanting to do. It's becoming deeply aware of how much we are loved and how much he loves those around us. It's being willing to answer the call that he places on our life. It's turning, it's tuning, tuning in to his spirit and serving what he's doing. But how do we do that? How do we live like that as individuals and as a community? Well, it starts in the secret place. The private moments 
where we, on our own, cultivate our relationship with Jesus. It's on our knees in prayer and worship. It's asking God to speak to us through Scripture. I love the story of this man. This man is Rodney Gypsy Smith. And he was born late part of the 19th century um, in a gypsy tent in Epping Forest. He was a gypsy from a gypsy family. And he ended up, as a follower of Jesus, preaching to hundreds of thousands of people. In fact, they reckon that he is the man who preached to more people um, prior. So prior to Billy Graham, he had spoken to the most people, which most people ever, globally. Traveled in America and the, and the, uh, the UK and South Africa and saw tens of thousands of people coming to faith. Incredible anointing. Incredible man. It was said that he never preached without someone coming to know Jesus. And one day a delegation uh, of Christians went to see him because they wanted to ask him, wanted to know what was the secret of the authority that he had as he preached and the secret of his success and how could they be used in the same way as him. Without hesitation, he said this. He said, go home, lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the middle of the floor and with a piece of chalk draw a circle around yourself and there on your knees pray fervently and brokenly that God would start a revival within that chalk circle starts in the secret place us and Jesus now in January 2019 um, I was inspired to write a vision uh, for our church of what I sensed God wanted to do among us how much was God speaking how much was just my heart kind of pouring out I don't know maybe one day we'll find out but it's written from the perspective of us standing in 2075 we're in the future and we're looking back and reading a history of new community church for the previous 50 years and I've read it here before many of you heard it I'm not going to read the whole thing but it talks about God just breaking in and leading us out to a city and seeing the whole city changed as as we share the love of Jesus changed in really practical ways in deeply spiritual ways but it begins like this in the early 2020s, a new focus and resolve grew within the community of New Community Church to seek God's face. A new culture began to emerge, where it was not unusual to find members of the community rising in the early hours of the morning to seek God in prayer. A new hunger for God's presence grew and became infectious. That led people to their knees on their own with their friends and with their families. Stories began to emerge of Jesus appearing in visions and dreams, of people receiving revelations about colleagues and neighbors and friends that led to them in turn being healed, experiencing breakthrough and encountering God for themselves. In church meetings, the presence of God became so powerful on occasion that many were unable to stand and the great awe and desire for holiness came over everyone. Is my prayer that God would do that among us. It's not something that we can manufacture or organize or plan. Making presence the first of our values doesn't mean that it's going to bring it all about because it's only a sovereign move of God that makes something like that happen. But we can ask God to make us hungry for his presence 
because that's where it all begins. And we can ask God to wake us early in the morning so that we can start the day on our knees before him. Now, I prayed that prayer a couple of years ago, and I can tell you it's a dangerous prayer to pray for someone who, like me, who likes their sleep and isn't a morning person. So um, I, 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 I was... I, I've often prayed in the morning, but I've really struggled to get up early and have kind of, you know, really intentional time. And so I pray and say, God, look, would you make me a morning person? And um, God answered the prayer. And fairly soon I started waking up about an hour before my alarm, really annoyingly. Until I realized that maybe God had answered that prayer. Maybe God was wanting to do something. And rather than just lie in bed, unable to go to sleep, thinking I'm going to be tired for the day, actually, maybe I could get up. And maybe I could go downstairs and maybe I could pray and read my Bible. And as I did that, just started to build a new rhythm and a new journeying with God. That brought me a lot of life. Helped me to hear his voice, led to some significant moments, some moments of really deep encounter with him, some moments where I just felt, yeah, I'm reading my Bible and praying, it's a good thing to do. And yet God's speaking me to me throughout. It meant I was a little bit tired, a bit tireder than normal. But it was so good to spend time intentionally with him in that way. I don't always get up super early. Um, the rhythm has changed over the years, but I can tell you that it's become a pattern that I want to have and I want to be part of, I want to have in my life. And when I don't have that time with God, I long for it. And that's what's changed in my heart. Um, interesting. Sarah recently, at the end of the summer, just suddenly started waking up at 5.30 every morning. Couldn't go back to sleep. And so she started getting up, going downstairs, and reading scripture and praying. And if I'm not a morning person, Sarah's not a morning person either. That's for sure, naturally. And as she has done, God has just started to speak to her and stir. And I've seen just a fresh life in the spirit that she's walking out. Maybe God is stirring something among us here in the early 2020s. But prioritizing the presence of God isn't just about a quiet time and getting up early in the morning. That's part of it and a great way to cultivate it. It's about choosing to be attentive to God throughout our day. Like Brother Lawrence, who developed the habit of recognizing that everything he did was done in God's presence and under God's smile of approval. He said this, There is not in this world a life more sweet than that of continual conversation with God. Prioritizing the, prioritizing the presence means that when we gather in our pattern groups, hubs, and on Sundays, that we make room for worship and prayer. We don't just fill our time with song after song or prayer after prayer. We allow room to listen, to become attentive to God's presence, to invite the Holy Spirit to move among us and release his gifts to us so that we can minister to one another. Prioritizing the presence means as an organization, we create time for God to listen to him, to seek his leading, even in the most practical and sometimes boring of meetings, planning meetings and budget meetings and safeguarding meetings, to listen to God and invite him to lead us in those practical moments. Prioritizing the presence means that in our everyday lives, at work and with our friends and neighbors, we ask God to lead us and to inspire us. We listen to him for our friends and for our neighbors, for solutions to challenges at work, for innovations within our businesses. We are attentive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in everyday 
normal life. I encourage you, if you want to grow in that, it's a great opportunity. With Dan and Claire, are just going to be leading the Deployed course as part of one of our Grow Hubs starting very soon. And it's really focused about just creating those natural moments of listening to God, hearing his voice in our everyday lives and being obedient to him. And if you want some stories to encourage, have a chat to Dan um, and Claire just about some of the things that they have seen God do as they've started to walk that journey. And so, having listened to God, allowed him to lead us in our everyday lives, when we come back together, we share the stories of the wonderful things that God has done. Because as we increasingly prioritize him in our lives, in our church, we will increasingly have wonderful and powerful and life-changing stories to tell. Shall we pray? I wonder if we could stand together. And um, just encourage you to close your eyes. speak in tongues, maybe just start to open your mouth and lift your voice. If you're new to church and just wondering what this is all about, tongues is a gift that the Holy Spirit gives. He poured it out at Pentecost. It's just a way that God helps us to pray when it's hard to find the words, but just to pour out our hearts. Gives us a new language that we can speak in. And it's powerful as we just pour out our hearts to Jesus. Lord, we are hungry for your presence. Lord, we don't want to do anything without you. We don't want to go through religious rituals. We don't want to go through what might be really good patterns for the sake of going through patterns of behavior. We don't want to just follow a list of rules. We want to follow you, Jesus, and walk with you hand in hand. And I thank you that the promise of Jesus dying and rising again and leaving your spirit, Lord, is that we can walk day by day, moment by moment in your presence, walking with you, knowing you're leading, knowing you're guiding. Thank you for the stories in this room of the power of God at work in our lives. Some are from many years ago, some are from just this week, but we are so grateful, Lord God, for what you've done in us, and what you continue to do and what you are going to do in the future. As we prioritize your presence in our lives and we prioritize your presence in this church. A 
And you may be here this morning and you might not be feeling very hungry. Or you may be here and you're just on fire and God is stirring something up in you. But one of those powerful things we can do is actually ask God to make us hungry for him. Something that everyone, all of us can do. And can I just say, if you want to say to Jesus this morning, God, would you make me hungry for you again? Hungry for your presence, hungry for encounter, hungry to meet with you in scripture, hungry to meet with you when I get on my knees and I pray in my front room at the end of a bed or as I walk in the park. Knowing that being hungry gives us a chance to be filled and satisfied. When we hunger and thirst after Jesus and then we come to his feet and sit in his presence, he fills that hunger. He fills us and satisfies us. So to be hungry is not to go on longing and wanting. To be hungry means to come and find yourself in a place where you are filled and where you meet with him. And if you want to say this morning, God, would you make me hungry for your presence? Hungry to be deeply close to you. Then can I encourage you to come down just as a response? Come and fill this space and I want to pray over you. Maybe just you can hold out your hands if you'd like to. It doesn't make anything special happen, but it's just saying physical response. Say, Jesus, I, I want to give myself to you. I want to receive what you've got. Father, our Lord and our King, we simply ask this morning that you would make us hungry for you. Lord, that we find ourselves waking in the middle of the night, getting up in the morning, walking through our day with a deep longing to meet with you. A deep longing that will cause us not to dismiss it or just to busy ourselves or distract ourselves, but a deep longing that would lead each and every one of us to come and kneel at your feet come and tide ourselves away in the secret place, wherever that is for us. Come to our knees to open up your word, open up scripture and to invite your Holy Spirit to come and meet with us. And thank you that your promise is that you will satisfy those who are thirsty. For those who will seek, we will find. To those who knock, the door will be opened. So Holy Spirit, would you in this moment come and do a deep work in each of us that will make us hungry, hungry for you and will lead us 
to seek your presence, knowing that when we seek you, we will find you. We will meet with you, Jesus. And if you're here, I'm not going to ask them to put their hands up, but if you, want to, if you want to pray that dangerous prayer, that God would begin to wake you early and lead you to your needs. Why don't you pray that with me now? Lord Jesus, I ask that you would wake me early and lead me into your presence at the start of my day. Not just as a one-off, but as a pattern, as a foundation for my life. And that as you do, Father, would I meet with you in wonderful, wonderful ways. Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you pour your life into me? And would I overflow with your love and your life to those around me? I just want to take a few moments just to recognize the promise of Scripture is that God is always present and the promise of Jesus in that is where one or two are gathered so his spirit is with us. So we can stand confidently knowing right now that the spirit of God is here and in this place. And I believe God wants to show us many of us in this room that he is here we would tangibly know and experience his presence. So can I encourage you right now not to stand there going, God, please show yourself to me, but simply instead to start thanking him. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here. Thank you that I stand right here in this moment in your presence. And would you simply open my eyes to see you? 